I realize your guy's show is for the lore, which seems like it actually for the lore, and it almost <laughs> works. <laughs> You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Joining Roger is Joe, writer from WoW Insider and World of Maticus, and Vince from Massive Nerd. Hello and welcome to For the Lore. This is Roger coming to you on Thursday, November 10th. We are a couple of days late, but that is because I was out of town on holidays, as we had said last week. Next week, we are also going to be off of our regular date <laughs> because we're starting to make that a habit now. Let's do every other day except for Mondays. But no, next Monday is actually my wedding anniversary. So, of course, I'm going to take my wife out and we're going to go have a nice dinner and relax and not have to worry about a podcast. So Joe's going to be joining us in a little bit by the time he gets home. And so for now, it's just Vince and I. How are you doing, buddy? fucking skyrim tomorrow dude, dude tomorrow uh, was it giant bomb since like noon this afternoon uh greg Kasavin, who our listeners know very well has been playing through skyrim he's doing a 12-hour marathon <laughs> <laughs> i've just been watching it <laughs> the um we've actually been getting a lot of skyrim news now of course because there's only the one day left and the obviously the embargo is off and so the reviewers are now putting out their reviews of the game as well and it is doing very well review wise it's actually getting some very high reviews the lowest i saw was 90 and right up to 100 Last I checked, the uh, Metacritic for the 360 version was at uh, 96 with 55 total reviews. So, yeah, it's doing very well. So you are playing Skyrim on 360, I assume, or are you getting the PS3 version? Nah, 360. Yeah, okay. Did you already order it? I'm picking it up at work just tomorrow. just show it up. Okay, cool. And Joe, you've got yours already. You ordered through Steam, right? I ordered through Steam. Did either of you watch the videos that were put out for the gameplay on PC with the quote-unquote ultra-high graphics? I did, but I don't know, because I've seen screenshots of the game running on PC with all the bells and whistles turned on, and they look a hell of a lot better than that video did. Yeah, see, that didn't look that fantastic but then again a lot of people were complaining too saying you can see how it is a console port which is what so many of them are doing right now so it's really disturbing but then again they're going where the sales are and that's on the consoles not on the pc still you would like to see something better than what we're seeing here now this the one that i'm showing live right now it's on an i7 a 3.4 gigahertz it's got 8 gigs of ram it's an nvidia gtx 560 and windows 764 bit so we're not talking about you know a hunk of scrap metal here it's a it's a decent machine and it's not that it looks terrible it's just that it could look so much better than this that said though elder scrolls they've always had a problem with rendering faces properly and expressions properly so i'm not that that surprised it's good enough i mean there's it's not like it's terrible and it, it it's one of those games where the graphics are secondary to everything else, at least for me. Yeah, and of course... It like, looks better than Oblivion, so that's really all that yeah. matters. <laughs> Pretty much. That's all you're going for at this point, really. There was also a video that was out that showed all of the... Uh, somebody going through the, uh, the races when first creating their character. So we got to see all of the various races and some of the, uh, the settings in terms of how they look and whatnot. And... It, it, it looks good. Obviously, the game looks like it's going to be good, and it is an improvement over Oblivion, like quite a, an, an improvement. What was interesting, though, is that on, in both of these videos, we got to essentially see the start of the game and how it starts off. So a little spoiler warning if you don't want to know, block your ears for a couple of minutes. But what it appears that you're being your prisoner and you're being taken to this town where they are executing people and uh, lopping their freaking heads right off. <laughs> <laughs> and then just as it's about to be your turn, dragon touches down and scares the bejesus out of everybody in the town square there and you essentially make a run for it. 
Did either of you guys Looks get pretty to watch fun? That? <laughs> it seems like a freaking dragon adventure. <laughs> and then you had a dragon. So, so basically that's that. So we are ready for tomorrow. I am in the process of uh, of preloading the game. I don't know if uh, Joe, if you've started yet. It's already pre-downloaded. Um, if I have access to Steam after today's debacle, I'll be playing it at midnight. That will be. Oh, they probably won't have it available by midnight. Normally, they still don't release that's, the the keys. That's the until... lockout timer. Is it really? Yeah. Okay. At seven. As of seven o'clock, the timer was five hours. Okay. Yeah, but they've often changed that. Even though it says that, by the time that comes around, they've they've had different games where it's still not available until later. So it'll be interesting to see whether or not it actually is. Personally, I'm not going to be up that late just waiting for this. But what we will be waiting for, <laughs> of course, is yet another Star Wars beta weekend that is coming up this weekend. And so, yes, as is obvious by the sound there. <laughs> Joe got in on this action, and so everybody did, got in. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's like the the doors are wide open now. Just they'll let anybody in. But the um, that's going to be kind of cool because I actually got two invites. I got one on a spare account for myself, and then I got one on my son's account that I signed him up for. So we're actually going to be able to do effectively what we're planning to do when we get the games, and that's play together. So we've already planned out that we're well. We he decided we're going dark side, <laughs> and he wants to try the Sith Inquisitor because that's the one that I played and I had a blast with. So he likes that, and he doesn't want to play through what he's intending to play when the game comes out, and that's the Bounty Hunter. And so I decided I'm going to go with Imperial Agent this time around because again I'd heard so many good things about it. I want to see it for myself. Plus, you can also heal as an Imperial Agent, and I'd like to see what the healing is like with with that class because it's much more of a, a combat medic type of scenario. So I'm curious how that's going to play out. And Joe, what did you decide you're playing? I'm going Bounty Hunter. I have to. I really, really, really have to. I thought about it, and I sat there, and I was like, well, I want to play the Smuggler, and I want to play this, I want to play that. You know what? Screw it. I'm spending my entire weekend doing nothing but playing Bounty Hunter. If I can give you one suggestion, it would be just that. Pick one class and just roll with it for the entire weekend. Because That's exactly the game plan. Yeah. I. It's not going to be the same as the long weekend that I got to play where that, that extra day makes a big difference, especially if you've got it on, off, I mean, no work, and you, you intend on doing nothing but gaming. So <laughs> you, that, that gives you a lot more time. But because this is starting at uh, 5 p.m. Central, tomorrow and then lasting only till midnight on uh, Sunday so we're not going to have quite as much time there to really level up and I would like to get my guy high enough level that I actually can get a ship because that's one thing I did not get to experience and I really want to see what that's going to be like and then with the ship too they've now changed it so that you can actually go on your friends ships to travel as well so if you're traveling together to a planet or whatever, you can do so on just one of the ships, which I think, again, is going to make it so that it's much more immersive and you really maintain that sense of if you're partying with someone, you're all together. You're still heading out together like you would normally for, you know, if you're questing or whatever. I, I really like that idea a lot. Yeah, I think it's a really good idea. I think it's a nice little um, immersion piece, I guess you would call it. But it's just kind of cool because when you're, you're like you said, when you're in a group of people and you're traveling and you're in that, that band of warriors or whatever, you're on this epic journey, uh, why not? Why shouldn't you be uh, able to jump on your friendship and be like, fly me where we need to go? I'm surprised that you're not deciding on taking a healer to mess around with them. Okay, well. They're, not they're not disappointed. Surprise. No, no, no. Here, here's, here's why. You can heal as um, a bounty hunter. Just saying. The reason is, is my first love in Star Wars Galaxy was always, you know, I'm a Jedi hunter. That's what I did. And I could play a healer, and I could do that. And I'm going to play a healer as far as the uh, it goes in the game. I am going to have a smuggler that's dedicated to nothing but healing, because I think it's one of the most interesting uh, ch changes to healing, I think, in a long time. But for this... I have to play the bounty hunter. There's nothing more satisfying to me in a Star Wars universe than hunting down little tiny Jedi, blowing them up with fucking rockets, and watching them explode into itty little bits. 
that makes me happy. Now that said, though, you don't know just how powerful they are going to be in open world PvP versus I don't other care. classes. I don't care. So you might be the one I, in itty I little bitty pieces. I get Mandalorian armor, rockets, rocket boots, flamethrowers, among other awesome toys. I will make it work. So you're obviously going to be playing on a PvP realm for this weekend. Yes. Oh yeah, that's that's the plan. All right. Well, then you're on your own. I don't feel like it. So <laughs> my son and I are going to be playing on a PVE just because, and I like the idea of PVP, and we talked about this before, you and I too, how once the game is released, it's um, it's quite likely that my son and I will play together on a PVP realm, but then my solo character that I'll play when he's not uh, he's not in game will be on a PVP pve realm just because i don't feel like getting ganked all the time whereas if i'm with him well then it's always going to be at least two against whatever we're up against so and this weekend because i want to progress as far as i can um in terms of content i don't want to waste any time pvping i i'm, I'm really excited about pvp in the game really excited especially after we saw the quote-unquote battleground stuff that we we were talking about last time but for now i just want to see as far as i can go because i keep thinking again about the the last weekend where i was up till three in the morning playing <laughs> and that's how much the stories suck you in so if i'm going to be trying to get as far as i can story-wise i want to again do nothing but the pve content so, uh, speaking of which, we did hear a couple of more things on the down low about some of the changes that are coming for um, the Old Republic right now. More information is coming out as part of the NDA stuff has been lifted and whatnot. Of course, not everything, so you know we might get in trouble for some of this. But um, some of the information in terms of the healing for the bounty hunter classes and stuff is is getting some loving. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out in the game because there's again the i'm i'm curious just how much they're going to improve on the healing classes because that's something that i kind of saw as not quite as interesting so i'm i'm dying to see how they're going to improve on that especially considering they don't have a lot of time left so that's going to be cool and then also they're fixing the quick travel so that basically you can quick travel between any points on the planet so quick travel being essentially your quote-unquote again hearth so you don't always have to go just to one spot now you can you don't have to bind yourself to one spot you can quick travel all over and that's huge because the old republic employs different quote and oh god i'm gonna have to stop saying that but worlds so different instances and just use the vince quotes yeah vince quotes because of this you sometimes will get bounced away from where you were playing and if you join a group with other people and you have to go into you know world three then when you go into world three or instance three you get bounced back to your hearth spot so that creates a hell of a, a, a slowdown because you now and whoever else had to do the same has to travel back to where it was that you were so that you can all meet up and do this this quest or whatever. And it's especially annoying if you're just doing a couple of quests or whatever. I mean, if you're doing something big, then okay, people don't mind waiting. But I had Droops drop me because it would have taken too long for them to wait and they could just get somebody else a lot easier to just go with them. So... That's a system that really needs a lot of loving, and I'm hoping they give it a lot of loving. And I understand that they're doing it because they don't want people farming the rare elite mobs and things like that. But you know what? Suck it up. People are doing that in WoW anyways. People are doing that in other games, farming them. Screw it. Let them farm the damn thing for our convenience so that we can have more fun when we want a group. Because right now, some of the grouping options when you're looking at things like that are more of a hindrance than something that's cool. So that's, again, being worked on, so that's cool. They also are doing it so that you have more corruption, more options in terms of kind of customizing yourself or that you'll be able to see the effects of corruption if you choose a lot of the dark side things. That's awesome. I love that. That's kind of... I, I, I like those kind of things. We've seen that in other games, and, and I really kind of think it's awesome. The Also, the cover system is being fixed for smugglers and things like that. I actually didn't play that that long my smuggler. I played him for a little while, but not too, too long. So honestly, it's not something I can comment on with any degree of, you know, real knowledge. The, the little bit that I did, it was fine, but I certainly didn't do that much. 
So we're getting some extra loving for gunslingers and snipers as well. They're going to get some new passive abilities and things like that. That's going to be kind of cool. And then some new customization features for companions. That's kind of cool, although... I didn't customize mine because it cost too much goddamn money. You have to pay money for it. And it was like, screw that shit. I, I'm saving my money for other stuff. So I didn't really work on that. So that's about it. I know that, Vince, you can't talk about anything. And uh, Very happy for you guys. Yes. And, Joe, you don't have anything yet to talk about because you haven't yet. gone in. But uh, we will cover more as more is kind of leaked through. I, I figure you know it's fair game. If, if shit is leaked out... I don't care. I'm talking about it. And uh, unless we didn't quite get all the news about it, and that's with Mass Effect 3, there was a huge leak, <laughs> but Bioware killed that shit fast. <laughs> like, they plugged up that hole. There was a cease and desist letter that went out. What hole? There was no hole. There really? What, what are you talking about? <laughs> to the point where, and this was with NeoGAF, they had some some information that had been leaked out from from internal documents. Now, they state, Bioware states that it's from it's from old build so some of that has changed but they sure didn't waste any time sending the cease and desist to NeoGAF who and to their ISP so then they're basically it doesn't matter if they were going to try to stand up against the gorilla the ISP said no you take that shit down or we'll take it down so they had to take the information down there was a 13 minute long video as well that showed some someone that was playing the stuff that was already at, uh, was it Gamescom, they said, or which convention? It was somewhere at one of the conventions. But then the other stuff was brand new stuff that nobody's seen yet. But that video is long gone. And I know I didn't get a chance to see it. And Joe, you said you didn't either. That's correct. I didn't get the chance to watch it before it was gone. So it's interesting because when I was initially reading about it, you put it in the show notes with the links and whatnot. And granted, I've been busy. I've been out of town visiting with the folks, so I didn't have a lot of time to to go over stuff while I was there. But when I got back to it, I didn't rush right away to look at it. I, I, I knew I was going to have to, but part of me didn't want to because I want to be kind of surprised with Mass Effect 3. I want... I want that beginning to be epic. I want it to be something that I'm not expecting or or already know what it is. Know what I mean? Yeah. Agreed. I and had I... the opportunity to read and watch everything, and I chose not to. <laughs> so, yeah, it's in... I mean, we still got a lot of time before the game actually goes live. So there's going to be plenty more opportunities for us to find out more about it. But I don't know. There's There, there are a few games where... I really don't want to know anything about it, which is difficult when you're in a you know position like us where we're supposed to talk <laughs> about this. But I... <laughs> Some stuff happened in a game that we didn't read about. <laughs> yeah, I really, I don't want to know about Mass Effect 3. I, I had so much fun playing 2 that I want to go into this blind and just fall in love with the story and hope the hell they don't screw it up. Now, we did get some leaked information as well. Well, everybody got the leaked information for Modern Warfare. And <laughs> did you see that one of the copies that was stolen sold on eBay for $1,700? bucks? we are talking oh, yeah. about like a week beforehand, and all you're going to be able to do is play the, the single-player campaign during that time, and you're going to be done that in four hours. <laughs> hey, six and it's on a not a good game. <laughs> So you got uh, Vince. You were looking at that. There was there was talk about the new Vince quote controversial scene that's in the new one. Yeah, um, modern warfare games have never shied away from realism, even in the face of controversy. And I played and really loved the first two. Like they say the first one, there's you know nuclear explosions, and this came out you know four years ago, and that was really a concern for a lot of people and it, the, the scene was great in the game it had a lot of drama to it and it was just freaking awesome and then of course there's the infamous no russian mission in modern warfare 2 which i defend i thought it was a good addition to the game told lent a lot of weight to the story and we're not going to get into that discussion right now so it's the game is out now so it's not even really a leak anymore but prior to the game coming out the the latest quote controversial scene had come out of uh, it's a video of this family in London and you know the daughters frolicking through the streets and oh they're on their way to see Big Ben and then boom freaking truck explodes and kills them all and just I, I haven't bought Modern Warfare 3 myself because first of all 
without being interested in the multiplayer anymore. I'm not spending 60 bucks on a six hour game yeah, really? and Skyrim. Sorry. <laughs> so but just watching this video, it it had none of the the weight and the drama that made those scenes in the first two games so impactful. It was just there. It, it seemed forced even like the voice acting was pretty crappy for a series that has had pretty stellar voice acting. It was just it was cliched. And that's, you know, a term we use a lot on our other podcast. <laughs> it, it was just like, oh, it was there. It seemed like the game was trying to do something controversial just for the sake of doing it. And maybe, you know, trying to get that media hype that happened with Modern Warfare 2. I'm sure all, all the media bashing the game helped sell 15 million copies. So yeah. they were trying to do that again. And, oh, it leaked out two days before the game hit the shelves. Oh, yeah. So... <laughs> I mean, it, it, it just had that trying too hard feel to it for me. I, I'm sure I'll play the campaign. Uh, I'll probably pick it up on like a Black Friday deal for 30 bucks or something to play through the campaign in the cooperative mode. But that scene just it didn't do anything. And it doesn't seem like it's going to lend anything to the game. See, we're seeing that a lot in different games, too, where they they're trying for that shock value. And when you're looking at the competition that this has got, yeah, we knew that it was going to sell a, a lot of copies. That was obvious. But those, again, Vince quote, media leaks, as well as different controversial scenes or whatnot, sell crap loads of copies and they need that. Well, they don't need it, but it definitely helps. Oh, they you know, do. For, for, for games like this where there's, you know, how many shooters, how many exactly. uh, combat games, how many things like that, they need the media hype. And if you It had already the, like, pre-sold like 9 million copies. I Really? 9 million copies? That's a lot. <laughs> are, no, are we serious? It was a 9 million copies? That's what uh, GameStop and the other uh, sources are saying. And I, if you remember... Ubisoft uh, in their uh, big press conference the other day kind of accidentally showed off the sales numbers for Modern Warfare 2, and that was 15 million. So 9 million doesn't seem that extravagant of a number to me for a pre-sales. I, I don't know. It, like Maybe I'm not seeing it. I like first-person shooters. I like my war games, but I'm just I'm not seeing it. Call of Duty has become the new Madden, plain and simple. It, yeah. It, which is sad, really. See, this is going to be one of the games that basically I rent and then I'm done on the weekend, and then that's it, because I'm not interested in the multiplayer either. And that's not to say that it isn't good or anything, but again, I've made it clear that for the most part, I've got my my, my multiplayer shooters that I'd like to play, and nothing yet has come out that will replace them on a permanent basis, and sure, shit, not one of these. Like I played the hell out of the first two Modern Warfare games, both single player and multiplayer, logged plenty of hours definitely got my money's worth i'm just tired of it at this point so I, i'm not saying modern warfare 3 is not a good game i'm just personally tired of the I, i'm over the whole military shooter thing basically that's a lot of what it is give me more me rage give me more borderlands yeah see we, oh dude borderlands 2 <laughs> <laughs> see that's going to be the one that for me is going to replace some of the ones that i'm playing now because it is something that i i know from the original that i'm gonna love i'm gonna love how it plays out and things so that's what i'm looking forward to and it's not a true to form multiplayer kind of game but still it's enough that it fills my shooter needs okay moving on from there how about we talk about some dc universe online now that the gates have opened and it's free god damn there's a lot of people playing it got hit with 120,000 registrations for now <laughs> it's 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 actually long enough and, and or enough people are logging in that it's lagging out the one free server so, <laughs> so a lot of people you say free but it's a they super jump. server yeah the uh, i'm sure it's really super so <laughs> have either of you reinstalled it I was going to, again, to try out the Green Lantern stuff until I found out they yanked that. And what was, what was once free on the PC version is now once again a paid downloadable content. So I told you. all I... my interest 
disappeared immediately. Oh dear. I started downloading it, but then I've been so busy downloading other crap um, that I just... I mean, they haven't uh, changed anything since we stopped. That's the thing. So basically, I'm going to bounce in and have less than what I had before. So I said, eh. I, I mean, I'll jump in later on to try some, some new stuff because by then there's bound to be some things that are added. But for now, there's still nothing new. But for anybody who has not played it yet, though, and was holding back because of the cost, I think that it is still, especially as a free game, definitely worth trying out. It's sure. it's fun to try out. There are some quest lines and things like that that are actually a blast to play. They're really a lot of fun. Once you've played it through it once or even twice, then then you're going to start to really be a little kind of disappointed and realize that there's not much else to to do. However, the, the first time you go through those quests, you will think that it is a lot of fun. And some of it is very well designed. Some of it, again, not too crazy about it. If you're playing on PC, you can tell that it was a console port. So those kind of things aren't that cool. But again, if you haven't tried it yet, I really strongly urge you, yes, give it a shot. You might like it enough that you're willing to throw them a couple of bucks for their little packs or whatever it is that they're selling to to uh to entice people to play because again you gotta remember you will not have paid a, a cent for it so moving away from there you had some news about devil may cry yes uh we got some hints about the well not even devil may cry the as they call it dmc the upcoming reboot of the franchise might not be a, a full reboot. They're, they're kind of keeping that, that one foot behind, you know, dragging the toe over the line because they've said that the new DMC game, it takes place in obviously an alternate universe. But the way they say it is that the old Devil May Cry games with, you know, white-haired Dante, let's say, <laughs> the, the, that's still around and it's a possibility for something Capcom can do. So on the one hand, it's like, okay, we're going to set up this new setting, and if it goes well, hey, now we have two different Devil May Cry franchises that we can bank on. But on the other hand, especially being the comics fan and having been down this road time and time and time and time again, oh, if it doesn't sell too well, we can just do that as a one-shot alternate universe and go back to the stuff that everybody liked. So it's going to be pretty interesting seeing just how this whole thing plays out because a lot of the fans are not impressed <laughs> Joe you planning on picking this up yes actually I still am I I have to give it a shot I have to I I, I have to it's it's calling to me I actually haven't played a Devil May Cry game since Devil May Cry 2 uh, for obvious reasons but um, I might check it out you know getting on a deal or something I'm not gonna run out and buy it or anything but I ninja theory the developer they've had a mixed record over the years, but the last game I played from them was freaking fantastic. Uh, Enslaved, I loved it. So, if they can deliver that kind of quality in the new DMC game, I'm all for it. And I was just reading uh, earlier today; they were saying that they were inviting like some people, you know, the, the you know the, the most famous. How can you be a famous Devil May Cry player? Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> they were inviting people to come try out the new DMC and basically having people in the community to kind of alleviate all the fears that that's out there. Okay. So from there now to Deus Ex, this I thought was fairly interesting where I <laughs> Montreal was talking about the boss fights. Uh, who was it that, uh, that uh, sent this in you? That, or that was, that was yeah, me. That was you. So, Everybody knows that the boss fights in uh, Human Revolution were wildly out of place. And yes. uh, a couple weeks after the game came out, we found out that the reason for that was a completely different development studio actually did the boss fights. I just Montreal realized they didn't have the time to fully implement them into the game. So they licensed another company, Grip. They said, OK, here's what we're doing. Here's Deus Ex. He, you know, here's you know all of our code and everything. Build us some boss fights. Well... Grip kind of had the concept of what Deus Ex was, but was obviously missing a few key components because for a game that gives you such a wealth of gameplay options, stealth, non-lethal, you know, melee, long range, you could do obviously whatever you want in Deus Ex game. Every boss fight involved run around and shoot the guy in the face. So for players like I know you, Joe, as trying to play as a stealth, non-lethal character, you had a hell of a time with those boss fights, didn't you? Uh, actually, um, I didn't because I found out each boss fight had a little. So book. you cheated. 
No, no, no. Yeah, just trial and error, reloaded a thousand times. Yeah, okay, so you did have trouble. <laughs> Jeez. Just a I minute. figured it out okay. eventually, damn it. It's okay. We, we've all been... <laughs> it hurt, Vince. It hurt. <laughs> and, okay, we accepted it, we moved on, but now Eidos Montreal is coming out and saying, okay, we knew the boss fights didn't fit the game. But then we shipped it anyway because, well, we had to ship the game. And that's... I don't know how to feel about that. Well, you got to appreciate that, really. They they probably didn't have the time or the money to do anything about it once they got it. So they 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 screwed up going with somebody else that obviously they didn't make it clear enough what had to be done or they didn't check with them once, you know, like you would think that this other company is showing them what they're planning on doing before actually doing. I mean, it's freak. It's project management 101 for Christ's sakes. You don't just <laughs> say, this is what we need, go do it. And then they come back with the finished product project. You just, you work through it together. So you would think that they would have known what was going on. You guys good over there? Yep. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. We know what we're doing. <laughs> Apparently not, and neither do they. So, yeah, it was just like I, I can appreciate that once they got the finished product that they can't just turn around and say, no, this isn't good enough. Hurry up and fix <laughs> hey, Square, it. Square, you know that game we've delayed five times? We need to push it back again. <laughs> yeah. So, But, again, you would think that they would have worked together still so that it would have come out properly and not been something that was so obviously didn't belong in that game. Yeah, like it went from something, okay, they outsourced it, these things happen, but I, I, I just like you said, not being aware, like maybe they thought the boss fights were okay. And they're like, okay, yeah, sure, that's fine. But now now finding out that they, they knew it wasn't okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, yeah, that's that it went from a goof up to a big, big, big problem. Okay, let's step away from there now and talk about something that I mean, we're probably all on the equal ground here in terms of how excited we are for it. And that was the announcement for the sequel to Alan Wake. Now, this is going to be interesting, though, in how it's going to come about. Joe? Well, uh... (laughs) we could could do without the sighing. (laughs) I I, I don't know how... I don't know how else to say it because I'm it's like nervous anticipation, right? It's like you want it. You want it so bad, but you're afraid. You're afraid that it won't be everything that you expect it to be. I don't know. Like um I I maybe I missed something uh from Roger in the the notes. I didn't see the the interesting twist on how it was supposed to come about. I only saw the fact that it was coming out and some of the cool screenshots and that was oh. about as far as I got. Well, it's coming There's out as twist. As an arcade game. That's the twist. It's not coming out as a full-fledged sequel that you're going to go buy in the store. It's coming out an arcade, which leads you to wonder just how much there's going to be to it then. Well, we've played plenty of great arcade games. You know, I spent, just look no further than Bastion. I mean, 15 bucks. Yes, and that's a hell of a lot better than most $60 games. So, But you could not fit Alan Wake in an arcade game it'd be just too big so then that leads you to wonder what's then going to be done for the sequel obviously it's not going to be that big well i'm looking at it this way like the re and a lot of it comes from the title it's called alan wake night springs and night springs was the you know their twilight zone sort of uh tv show in the alan wake setting yep so They could very easily just do an episodic game, you know, charge 10 bucks for, you know, a couple hours of a mission. And I think that would be an interesting way to take advantage of what the Xbox Live Arcade can do and still tell something interesting without with Alan Wake and do it, you know, like Back to the Future did or, or something like that, where you do it episodically. And I think that could be a pretty good fit, especially for the way Alan Wake itself was structured. And I agree. That's just, again, when I'm saying it's going to be interesting to see what they do with it is not to imply that I don't think it can be done properly. It's just going to be way different than what we had with the original. Because, again, the original, though it was in episodic content type of format, it was still one huge game. So you could still follow through with it. Whereas this, because of the limitation in size, just will they won't be able to do something that seamless. So it'll be interesting to see whether or not they decide to go with still episodic content, 
but with a, a continuing theme or if they're going to go the complete opposite route and make it episodic content but just very different with with the same overall style and whatnot and gameplay but very different stories that are then told did I'd any play an okay. episode with the two old rocker dudes <laughs> <That'd be awesome. laughs> heavy metal takedown yeah I don't know. It's, it seems kind of interesting too that then that case that they're doing an arcade style, considering the eight bit Alan Wake that the you know, little spoof we saw. <laughs> you know, we're all like, "Yes, I want that! I want that now!" Um, so it's like a smaller game, you know, easier to digest, bite sized morsel, so to speak. I I don't know. It, it has potential. It's gonna be like we don't know anything to speak of right now about it that's the thing too like it's got a lot of people excited for it but that's based on what we experienced in the original if we are going to be getting a a sequel that is you know that kind of like just as an example that 8-bit kind of thing or something along those lines that's just so far removed from what we experienced in Alan Wake it has the potential to completely destroy that IP because I don't think a freaking 8-bit Alan Wake is going to make this better. It was no, cute, true, but I'm just but, saying. <laughs> but no, it's going to be interesting to as we get more information to see what's going to happen. I cuz I mean, again, if it was episodic content in that kind of twilight zone type of feel to it that has different stories, I actually would be all for that. I think it would be freaking cool and then it it gives it a chance to basically go on forever you can continue making these mini episodes and as long as they're not too expensive then the consumers also have the choice of which one they want to pick up nobody's got nothing to say okay let's move on then okay (laughs) something that was very cool and joe's the one that found this and sent it to me was they were talking about a horror mmo and this is something like if anybody's like myself or like joe it's you've wondered okay why haven't we really gotten something in that jaw, something that really, well, you can sink your teeth into kind of thing. Joel, I'll let you take this. Yeah. Okay, horror, horror MMOs are something that's been being worked on for a while now. Uh, everything from the World of Darkness, which is set into the, uh, you know, wonderful, wicked world of vampires, werewolves, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, even companies like CCP are trying to make uh, horror, horror MMOs, things like that now. Why? Horror is popular again. Uh, it's people, for whatever reason, love that that spine tingling feeling when they're like really creeped out. You know, people loved Amnesia. People loved Alan Wake. Uh, so making a transition into MMOs is well, it's kind of like the next logical step. Well, Maverick Studios is working on a game called uh, the uh, I'm sorry, Unveiled the Supernatural, um, and it combines everything from your uh, basic four tenants or, or polars poles of the, uh, the horror universe. You have your hunters, your witches, your vampires, and your werewolves. So you have those that want to destroy the other ones, witches, you know, the magic users, vampires, which, you know, they're fucking vampires, werewolves, cause they're werewolves. Um, and it's all in one world where they're all interacting with each other. Um, it's features a skill-based advancement system um, where it's kind of like the old Cthulhu game where in order to advance a skill, you actually had to use a skill. Um, what? So if you, that's, that's what I, that's what I was getting through. <laughs> now this may change obviously, but that's what the, that's what uh, the information I found pointed towards, which is kind of, kind of interesting because if you don't use a skill, how are you going to actually improve it? Um, you but it's pointed kinda, to it. Yeah, right there. You have all been tainted. I'll get. I'll give you fifty silver. I mean, <laughs> but the game looks really. I mean, it's visually pretty so far. They already have. They have a new trailer out. Um, there's a bunch of in-game action with uh, what I can assume is a hunter trying to stab the heart out of a vampire chick, uh, who then, you know, obviously he missed because he's stupid, um, and she gets up and wraps herself around him and totally anacondas his ass. Uh, it's just it's kind of nifty how to see a horror game actually start to pick up steam in this in this sort of genre and just see where it goes. And I I honestly can't wait to see what they do with it. They have so much room that they can play with, uh, just the story and everything else. I want to see what they can come up with, with these, you know, 
sort of characters and classes that they can manipulate with the world of darkness and other horror games being so far off. See, I am all for this. I would just prefer if it, you know, you know me and my tags. I would prefer if it was called a supernatural MMO instead of a horror MMO. Because for me, as you start adding more and more players to the equation, horror is not something that you're going to experience. I don't care how moody it is and how great, you know, the cutscenes are and 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 how good the voice acting and the storyline is. There's nothing horror related about creeping through that dark alleyway with your vampire stake. While somebody's telling dick jokes in trade chat, so it, the fact that his actual <laughs> name unveiled the supernatural is okay. Sure, there you go, no problem. But like I said I, I just I just don't like the horror MMO tag because for me you can't have thousands of people and horror together in the same time. That's but the game itself I'm all for it. I I'm kind of in the same boat as Vince in terms of it's going to be a very delicate balance and very hard to achieve true horror in a game when you're playing with other people because if you have elements of horror icons be it like you're like you're saying here so you got your hunters and let's just use the vampires as an example it's going to be broken down to its base classes and then just be like you know when you're looking at a pvp encounter say it's not going to be this epic horror filled moment it's going to be you against somebody else and it's going to be the strength and weaknesses of those classes that'll determine who wins so it's not going to be as frightening now that said if they can do something that's along the lines of what we've been seeing in the old republic where there are you know a lot of good cutscenes a lot of good immersion type of gameplay then they can pull it off they can pull off horror because i to, to tell you the truth a lot of the time that i was playing the old republic like i'd said before it didn't really feel necessarily that you were part of a huge community of people that were there at times it did but when you allowed yourself to get sucked into the story and you were progressing with the story you really didn't pay attention to the chat and whatnot plus they have a good chat system in terms of it's very easy to make it disappear so that you're completely sucked into the story. So the same can be done for this. And what's interesting is that we, we started talking about it a little bit, Joe and I, when we were talking about this. And I think it's high time for a good horror MMO. But the, the problem is, is that we've been inundated with emo twilight bullshit that you're going to have a lot of those emo influences affecting the stories and the questing and the different things in the horror MMO. And it doesn't have to, but it has the potential to. And then as well, because you're playing with other people, you are going to be playing with the 16-year-old vampire girls that just are hooked on Twilight that have every variation of the the, the main character's name as their name. So, you know, it's like... The new Drizzt. It's the new Legolas for... Wow, <laughs> you know? So... We're, you're going to see a lot of things. So again, as much as there's a lot of potential, I think that unfortunately being someone that appreciates, you know, a real horror story versus the emo teenage bullshit that's out now, then I think it'll, it could wind up being a lot. It could be fairly disappointing. Um, it, well, I'm, I'm glad they're giving it a try, though. It could be disappointing. It could also be ridiculously fun. We oh, don't yeah. Know yet. Yeah, and I think that the, see, it's funny because, and it, a lot of it is subjective. It's all about what you like in a horror story and all that. Personally, I don't like vampire stories. I, I, I think that for the most part, they are really corny, cheesy, stupid stories. Some of them come off good. I, I just reread I Am Legend again. I hadn't read it in a long time. I reread it again this weekend while we were we were visiting the folks. And, I mean, there's a fantastic story with vampires okay and so when I, I i look at this and i saw the the trailer for this game as soon as you find out that it's it's um it's vampires it kind of for me kind of was like oh crap it's not <laughs> that's not horror for me horror is something that's supposed to scare you vampires don't scare me they just kind of make me roll my eyes nowadays <laughs> exactly. That's that's why I make that distinction between horror and supernatural. I, I'm sorry, I'm a horror snob. That's just the way it is. And the other problem that I have with it is that um, it's not really a problem. It's just that when you're looking at this scene from that trailer, 
it's like freaking graphically violent. You've got a game that's going to border on psychotic in terms of PvP and stuff like that. Like, I mean, we're not talking about little arrows, you know, and, and icicles being shot at each other. Like, it is pretty brutal the potential for dismemberment and everything in a horror MMO. I mean, that's the whole point of it, kind of, to a certain degree, but it's going to be interesting to see how they handle it so that it's not just too much over the edge. And nobody's got nothing else. Okay, let's move on to the last MMO that we're going to talk about, and that is because we are getting ever closer to patch 4.3 for WoW, which is introducing, of course, the Fangs of the Father questline for rogues. So, Vince, you can go take a break for a while if you want. Cool. we got to chat with Tart. All right. There was, <laughs> don't type so damn loud. And um, so there were some videos that came out because, of course, it's on the PTR right now, so we got to see some videos of what is going on in terms of the questing and what we can expect as rogues going in to try to get this now joe did you watch all of the videos for this most of it yeah okay what did you take from this that i'm actually a little disappointed at how much raid involvement it is going to have when they said that they were trying to move away from that as much you and i both like it was one of those things where it was kind of cool where i understand that they having to have that need of the raid component and i absolutely understand uh, that the looking for raid tool really does knock the difficulty down quite a bit to make the the dungeons easily puggable. Um, and yes, you can complete the legendaries in those dungeons, or I'm sorry, in that raid tool, but it, I would have liked to have seen more involvement of skill outside of the raid environment. Um, have your own instance, like a little instance for the story or, or for a, a specific quest that you have to do or things like that. I could deal with that, um, but every legendary so far has almost been exclusively contained uh, to the raid environments. Now, this this one's done better. I'll give them credit. Cataclysm has really stepped uh, out of the raids as far as like a lot of moving around and questing and things like that that we didn't have before for legendaries. Uh, Valinir was completed entirely inside of Alduar, for an example, um, as was pretty much... Uh, the uh, Shadow Morn. Uh, now you actually had to go around and see the Blue Dragon flight and things like that. And that's cool, but I want more of that part of it. And I think that's what I'm missing here. And that's the part that really kind of disappoints me just a, just a little. I am a little disappointed, like you were saying too, with what appears to be the raid level involvement that we're going to need. Now, the thing too is that I understand that it's a legendary. So... Of course, you can expect that you're going to need to do more, but at least the impression initially was that there'd be a lot to it and a sizable investment, which it appears like it's going to be at minimum 10000 because that's how much it costs to, to enchant a gem at one point. So, But I don't know if there's any additional costs even on top of that 10000 investment. Did you see anything else? No, that's that's what it's going to be ten thousand. Okay, so that that's not too too bad. A lot of people have that, so it's not too bad. But the um, I was hoping that there'd be a lot more just plain questing and shit that takes you a long time to do, but that isn't just running the same raid instance over and over again to accumulate gems, which they're saying now. The initially it was going to be, I think they said what. 50 gems initially was going to take and now it's 330 and you get those gems from within the encounter when you're killing is it a boss did they say do you recall uh i think it was bosses so again you're you're looking at this is going to require well and i'll say in defense of that at least at the uh at the same point the uh current legendary requires a thousand marks to create right and you get those from like the various bosses but they drop like 30 40 50 at a time so you know you get more of them to compensate for it i'm wondering if they're going to do something similar here what i heard in the because i watched both videos was that i believe he said the max they drop is five so three to five gems 
And if you need, now I could be wrong. And if I am, I apologize. But that's what I heard from this guy. And if you need 330, that's insane. <laughs> that's going to take you a while to get the gems that you need. And I don't know. Again, it's, it's, here's a, Here's my thoughts on it. And it's funny because I was just reading a blue post where they were talking about quote unquote bad design and they were talking about dailies and how they take offense to people saying that's a bad design because they don't think it is and, and blah, blah, blah. And they were very defensive about it. I personally disagree. I've said this before. I think dailies are a bad design. Now, here we have something that I feel is the same thing because they had the option to make this quest line massive in scope. You add as much as you want. It's not like you're not raking in a billion per year in subscriptions, okay? You can afford to hire more people to work on this so that you put a lot more quest lines, a lot more that has to be done for it, but instead, what they're choosing to do to iron it out is just increasing the amount of gems that you need so that you then have to grind that middle portion to get everything that you need. So then that's not offering a, a, an epic quest line. That's offering you a grind. And see, to me, again, that's to, that is bad design. It's And it's piss poor planning. A little bit. Okay. Did you have anything else to add about this? Did you read anything else about it? Honestly, it's the quest is still going to be fun and entertaining for the people that will get to do it. Uh, there's a, there are still have the story elements, which you know those aren't going away. Um, it I, I can kind of get okay with that part of it, but yeah, I mean I'm not I'm just not as jazzed as I was about it when I first heard about it. You and I both, I to the point where again. I've been, I, I haven't been in game for a couple of weeks now, and I had been seriously considering suspending my account for a little while, knowing full well that I'm going to be busy with, well, hell, I'm still busy with Batman, with um, Star Wars once it comes out, with Skyrim now, so I figured I, I was only going to keep it active so that I could work on this quest line for the Rogue Daggers, but if I'm going to be spending you know, all of my time grinding gems just so that I can get it. That's no longer an epic quest line that's worthy of keeping an account active. It's it's not really worth it. And then if it's making it so that I have to do a ton more raiding, whether it's with looking for raid tool or not, it's still a lot of raiding. Then again, to me, that's it's not worth the, the time investment for it. Agreed. It has not decreased my interest one bit, though. Could it have? Is there any lower? That's irrelevant. <laughs> no, no, that's very, that's very relevant. <laughs> if you're already at rock bottom and there is no possible lower, it's quite relevant. Yet ruin it. Yeah, I did. Okay, with that, we're actually going to call the show a wrap. Thanks for everybody who joined us in the audience, and of course, I will have the podcast out ever so briefly, probably be out tomorrow. And if you need to reach us, of course, you can reach us at Twitter at for the lore, and you can email me at for the lore at gmail.com. With that, we will see you next week on Tuesday. Hi, Joe here again. Today we're going to be talking about Spider-Man Edge of Time. It is the second Spider-Man title by Activision and Beenix, following Spider-Man Shattered Dimensions in 2010. It is also the first release since Activision and Marvel's decision to make Beenix the lead developer for all future Spider-Man games. Gameplay-wise, you're not going to see anything that you haven't seen in Shattered Dimensions. Upgrades are available for both versions of Spider-Man, both the... Uh, Peter Parker style Amazing Spider-Man and the Spider-Man 2099 um, upgrades you buy with XP uh, which can be earned by completing mini challenges um, such as noteworthy things like beating so many uh, villains in a number of in a certain amount of time or completing certain side tasks each Spider-Man has their own exclusive new ability. The original Spider-Man, Peter Parker, features a hypersense mode which allows him to move quickly, pulverizing enemies very, very quickly into the ground. Spider-Man 2099 can create a fake simulation of himself to divert an enemy, to either attack without them noticing or to move to another area unharmed. He's got his own little hollow clone. So, we're going to talk about what everybody really cares about, right? The plot. 
So if you're interested, if you don't want to hear any spoilers on it, if you plan on playing the game all the way through, now would be a good time not to listen. Okay, for those of you still here, the game begins with Peter Parker, Spider-Man battling Anti-Venom, Eddie Brock in this one, who suddenly kills him. The game then cuts to a scene of twenty in year twenty ninety nine with Miguel O'Hara, otherwise known as Spider Man twenty ninety nine, where he's investigating Alchemax's scientist Walker Sloan. While spying on him, uh, Spider Man twenty ninety nine discovers that he's planning to travel back in time and found Alchemax in the past, years before it was originally established. Miguel arrives just a little bit too late, uh, jumps through the gateway just after Sloan, but instead of being transported back in time, gets trapped between times in the, like a sort of like his own little pocket dimension. While there, he sees visions of the original Spider-Man being killed by the anti-venom, and then history starts altering around him. When he returns to 2099, Miguel, who is unaffected by the time change due to being trapped in this portal, discovers that Sloan changes to the timeline have reduced New York City to a horrifying dystopia. Miguel uses Peter Parker's DNA, stored within the company's archives, to create a chronal link with him, back in present day. He then warns Peter, now working for Alchemax instead of the Daily Bugle, about the events to come and his death in the Alchemax building, 66th floor. However, Peter doesn't listen to him and travels to the 66th floor to find himself confronted by Anti-Venom, Sloan and Dr. Otto Octavius. Peter battles Anti-Venom, but is eventually killed by him. Seconds later, Miguel pulls Peter through the gateway in an effort to save him. While sending Peter to the future to revive him, Miguel battles Anti-Venom and breaks the chip that is controlling uh, him. Furious, Anti-Venom knocks both Sloan and Dr. Octopus out, merging all three into the monster atrocity. Both Spider-Man are... are stuck in each other's timeline. So basically you have a story of spiders out of place. Spider-Man 29 in the current day, Amazing Spider-Man in the year 2099. Both Spider-Man have to deal with some weird events, such as Mary Jane Watson's death and the confrontation of Black Cat 2099. Peter learns that he will become the CEO of Alchemax uh, thanks to an anti-aging drug. He finds the portal and tries to enter it only for atrocity to attack him. So Peter lures him into a trap and takes his DNA samples, so Miguel can analyze his DNA in the future, learning the truth. And basically, that's the entire story. It's it's Spider-Man out of time, trying to piece together this huge conspiracy, and they totally Berman and Brogged it. Now, the game has got some mixed reviews. Some people really like it, some people don't like it at all. Me, personally, I think it's a fun game. Story-wise, it is a little weak, especially when compared to Shattered Dimensions. However, it only focuses on two Spider-Men, giving each of them a chance to shine. While we are not treated to the vocal stylings of Neil Patrick Harris, as Amazing Spider-Man is played by Josh Keaton, uh, it's still fun. He's still got the quips. He's still got all the different little, uh, uh, you know jibes and things that make Spider-Man Spider-Man. And the, the voice actor for Miguel, uh, who does, is Christopher Daniel Barnes, does an amazing job with the character as well. They both get to shine and have a lot more time on screen to gain personality. Story-wise, like I said, it is a little weak, but the gameplay is definitely solid. If you were a fan of the original game, as well as moving through the world with web-slinging, crawling, the different various uh, actions of diving off of buildings... It's well worth your time. The art style is fantastic. It has the same highly stylized art that Shattered Dimensions has. Will it be remembered as essentially the sequel that sort of did not as well? Probably. But it's still a very fun Spider-Man game. Stays very true to the comic characters themselves. And even if it does do some weird things like time travel, it's still very fun. Controls are still tight. The audio engineering is absolutely amazing. And if you find yourself in the future, find a legend. Just kind of hang out for a little bit. Some of the things you hear, really fun. So that's my two cents on it. Hope you give yourself a chance to enjoy it. Until next time. Oh, you sound like you're getting sick or something. No, no, I'm just medicated up. I was going to say up the wazoo, but then you might think I had a venereal disease or something. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs>
Because that's exactly the first thing my mind would have leapt to. Not surprised. Batman. Batman. <laughs> that's an awesome background. That I have. <laughs> Suddenly, Batman. I'm just gonna. Ah! <laughs> Freaking Nancy. And then there's gonna be some extra abilities as well for. What the hell was that? Somebody didn't turn their phone off. <laughs> Which one of you was that? The one that's not talking. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> Dumb bastard. Turn your phone off. Okay, it is now. Yeah, I'm gonna turn mine off. <laughs> 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 Wouldn't it be my luck? <laughs> <laughs>